looking for opportunities and being proactive. Um, and that's what I share with many people around, you know, what if you want to try your hand at something new? I think you can make your career the way you want it by just reaching out to people and asking if there are opportunities. So um, for myself, when I first started, um, I took a job in the UK because like many New Zealanders, I wanted to travel and see the world. And what better place than doing it from London, right? Where you mm. can see all of Europe, you know, in a couple of hours and visit different countries and probably something for a different podcast um, episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Nina Amso podcast. This is season seven of the show and it is episode four. I am excited to have you. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you making time. I know you could have been doing many other things, but you decided to come here and listen. So I've been chatting over the last three episodes with a friend of mine who I will introduce in a moment, talking about life um, from the university days, uh, growing up in university, figuring out how to do what you need to do in life, which is a big question. How do you make sure that you are on the right track, you've got good friends when you leave university? How do you manage a job? How do you get job satisfaction? How do you know that you're in the right job? How do you know that you're in the right career? And what do you need to do to make sure that you are strategic? In this episode, we are talking about the 10 years after leaving the university doors, whatever university it is. But before I talk more, this is my friend, Amy. Say hello to Amy. Hi, Amy. <laughs> Kia ora everyone, so good to be joining you all again and having the opportunity to share our thoughts. Kia ora, thank you for being here with us again, it's been so much fun having chats to you and really hope that people out there who, if you are listening, are getting a lot. And can I say something actually, if you are listening and you're thinking, gosh this is great, would you please give us a th thumbs up somewhere? Or if you don't know how to do a thumbs up, would you leave a comment? Go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a comment and a review. Let us know how you feel because this is going to help us get to more people. So if we've given you value, uh, please uh, support us by doing that. So appreciate you doing that. Appreciate you listening. Let's get stuck into it, Amy. We, okay, we, we need to know first that you are a mother of a twins, uh, a science woman, a researcher, an academic, and a pharmacist who has a lot to share about what you've been up to in your post-university years. Because as as we've talked about in the past, you've done you know, pharmacy school and then PhD in research and, and hospital pharmacy. But how you were we talking about like job satisfaction? Tell what have you been up to? Because <laughs> we haven't even caught up uh, since we left university. So this is pretty much a catch up. But um, what have you been up to over the last 10 years? 
<laughs> 10 years, isn't it? Reflecting Catch me back. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I know it is. It's been a long journey. And I guess to those listeners who have listened to our previous podcasts, um, in the last episode, we did talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to graduate in the first couple of years, finding our feet and finding your niche and how difficult it is to, to change a job into a career. I guess in the next, you know, five years, so in the 10 years after graduation, it's really the moment where I felt that it was really changing what was just a day-to-day -day job into making something for myself um, and, and turning into what some might call a career. And for me, I alluded to in previous episodes that for myself, um, I started off in pharmacy, in hospital pharmacy, as Mina said, um, but I wanted to make a bigger difference rather than being able to just talk to patients one-on-one -on -one, um, and talk to them and optimize, you know, their treatment and see them get better. I wanted to move into a space where I could do something that perhaps had more meaning for more people. Um, and that's when I stumbled upon the value of research and um, starting my PhD um, and along that PhD journey as well, what I found was that having a PhD really did open doors for me, um, having a research career. And, and that was one of the many reasons why I, I chose a research career in the end, because when we talk about job satisfaction, it's important to have that flexibility, the autonomy, being able to manage, you know, your own direction where you want it to go. And research had for me all those things. Um, being a researcher meant you're able to pursue the things that you wanted to do, um, ask the research questions that you think would help make a big difference to people's lives, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, optimizing treatment for many or trying to solve a particular problem um, that's relevant to people. And you can choose something that's in your area of interest. I certainly know researchers that have been really interested in environmental sustainability, and then you can make a career in environmental sustainability or animal welfare, or just looking at something that, or digital technology, if that's something that you're really interested in. Um, so for me, it was around um, shaping that research pathway. Um, but in terms of where that led me, well, <laughs> as we were catching up, um, after I finished my PhD, I got um, an offer, the opportunity to go to the UK. And I took a job in the UK for a couple of years, and which is why I said having a PhD kind of opened opportunities. Because funnily enough, overseas, they view degrees a little bit differently. I think in New Zealand, it's mm -hmm. very much around your connections and your experience. But overseas, especially if they don't know you, they look at things like your qualifications and your CV, what's on paper, and allowed me to have those opportunities in the UK um, to start work in a new research institution at the university, um, but also to try my hand at a couple of different jobs um, in terms of private consulting. Um, I did some work for global health institutions, such as WHO, um, and also got to work for a charity and not-for-profit institutions. So allowed me to do lots of different things. Well, that's awesome. And I think if you have listened to the previous episodes, and I do actually suggest that you do because you'll be able to have an idea of what we've been discussing and a bit of about the story. So go back and listen to episode one, two, and three, or at least three. 
um, to know what we're talking about, but hopefully we will make sense in this episode. So you were saying that you did your pharmacy degree and you went off to do a PhD, which is not easy feat. And I remember you saying it was about six and a half years because you've done it part-time, despite yes. contrary to people telling you not to do that. Um, we talked about those decisions. Once you've done your PhD, um, going to overseas and landing these jobs like consulting and the global, being part of the global organization, WHO, World Health Organization, how did you like ha- land those opportunities? What, what helps you get into those? I think it's around um, looking for opportunities and being proactive um, and that's what I share with many people around, you know, what if you want to try your hand at something new? I think you can make your career the way you want it by just reaching out to people and asking if there are opportunities. So um, for myself, when I first started, um, I took a job in the UK because like many New Zealanders, I wanted to travel and see the world. And what better place than doing it from London, right? Where you Mm. can see all of Europe, you know, in a couple of hours and visit different countries and probably something for a different podcast um, episode. Oh, yes. But um, in London, I think um, it allowed me to have a lot of access to um, a lot of overseas institutions, things like um, organizations you would never think about working for, such as the WHO. Mm. And because I had the opportunity of being overseas, I thought, why not? Why not try and reach out to see, you know, can I start somewhere? And mm. so I started having a look online. Um, I remember one night thinking, oh, I would really like to do something and apply my skills as a pharmacist, but at more of a global level. And I stumbled across um, the Commonwealth Pharmacists Association, mm. um, which is a not-for-profit organization, a charity, which is what I first um, mentioned about working for a charity. And I re- their, their mission and their vision really resonated with me around trying to improve the health and well-being through medicines for countries in the Commonwealth. Um, and so I thought, you know, there's no harm in reaching out and just to see you know, maybe they would um, take on a volunteer. I didn't expect to be mm. paid. And I think that's one of those pieces of advice is mm. I just looked on a web page, contacted the contact us and said, hey, I'm a pharmacist from New Zealand. Um, I'm willing to donate some of my time um, and my expertise. Not sure where I can help. Um, and so said, I graduated with my PhD and just said, is there anything that I can do? And I think our listeners out there, it's, it's not really much around, you know, necessarily your degree, but it's just that willingness to help and just saying, hey, I'm you know, happy to volunteer just to start off and make some connections. Well, so you, up, just, um, you just yes. contacted someone and you just said, hey, I just want to, to, to work with you as a volunteer base. Like you didn't even ask for pretty, payment. Pretty much. Yes, yes, because, wow. you know, when you first work, you're, in, a, you're a, <laughs> in the nicest way, right? You're really a nobody to someone until they know you, <laughs> then you're somebody. But initially, right, you're just a name in an email, mm. especially when you don't have a contact. And mm. I just said, you know, is there anything that I can help with? Because 
for me, being able to help, even if it's, say, a few hours a week, but being able to help a global cause, I thought that was really awesome um, and something yes. that I couldn't do. I didn't feel I could do anyway from New Zealand, um, but because I got the opportunity to be in London, I was like, this is the chance to try and work from international organization and try and make a difference. Um, so I set up a coffee uh, and didn't know the person that I contacted was the executive director oh, wow. of the organization. Um, and we ended up, I remember having a coffee and she just asked me, you know, what about my background? And I just said, you know, I trained as a pharmacist, worked in the hospital for the last 10 years or so. Um, finished my PhD, but now I'm in London and just want to see what I can do to help. Um, so that's when they just started me in an advisor role um, where they just had me advising and looking over some policy pieces and um, having to input from a pharmacist perspective. But that was the first time ever that I'd even really thought about, about things like global health policy, right? Because mm -hmm. um, as a pharmacist, you're just thinking day to day. And then as a researcher, yeah. you're still thinking about just generating the data and the evidence. But it's not until over there, then that's actually you get the chance to apply the clinical skills, the data skills into an international level and shape global health policy. Um, so I learned a lot simply as an advisor. Um, and maybe it's things that are more fortuitous. Um, I don't know, there was an opportunity came up because my executive director then um, became pregnant and she needed maternity mm -hmm. leave cover. So I'd been advising for about a year at that time, but she needed staff to help cover her role. Um, so what she ended up doing was sharing out her role amongst the different advisors, some of them staff, but also um, getting her advisors on board. And one of the things I was tasked to do was um, to have a partnership with another international organization um, called FIP um, or the International Pharmaceutical Federation. Mm. Um, and I was sort of in charge of looking at the workforce and developing the workforce to make sure we meet the health needs of the population. Mm. Um, and so I was tasked with, and through that, I, I got a different contact through FIP. And because FIP is an observer for WHO, I also got to meet uh, the person who was a technical officer, WHO technical officer for workforce development. So they look at the health of the world, of the whole global health situation, and they think about, you know, do we have sufficient health workforce to meet the needs of the people? And this is the funny part here, this is the real clincher, is that the person who is the WHO technical officer for workforce development is actually a New Zealand graduate from the School oh, of wow. Pharmacy in Otago. No. I oh, know. Really? I had no idea. Yes. So wow. I was just blown away. I was like, there's a Kiwi who's working in Geneva for WHO, who's a pharmacist. And that's when I was just like, who knew that this is what pharmacists could do? I mean, no one told us, right, that pharmacists could go into health policy and work for WHO. But here you are. <laughs> wow. Amazing. This is so exciting because, you know, you've just recounted your... <laughs> nearly a life story and I'm sure there have been lots of challenges for you as you stepped out into the unknown but what was your why when you were doing all these things I mean it was 
I guess my why is the same as um, what gets me out of bed every day is just want to be able to have done something that is has helped someone in the world in some way. I think that's for me enough of whether it's just one person or many people um, that it's there's something that I've done that is something but bigger um, than myself. Uh, and my my feeling of being able to reach out to global health organizations and learn new skills all the time is just being able to connect with people in a different way. And like you said, um, leave behind in the short time that we're here, um, leave behind something that is valuable to others. Uh, perhaps people might call it a legacy. I just think it's just about putting your own brick in the brick wall and helping others build upon it um, in some way. So that that is my why, really. That yeah. is my driver. Each pe Every person will have a different why, um, but that gives me a lot of satisfaction knowing mm. that in some way we could have benefited others. <laughs> so life life is pretty different to, to obviously, uni days and the five, first five years after completing your pharmacy degree. Um, I, I suppose for me was different um, in that the first five years was figuring out, and we talked about this in the last episode, so um, you, you can go and check it out, but just figuring out this career, how do you do the nuts and bolts, and questioning whether this career is the right one, having gone through five years of study and a lot of student debt. Um, but for me, I think... <laughs> Five years on, I was ready to move on from this career of pharmacy because unlike you, where you were thinking about the different avenues of pharmacy or in health sector, I was for me, I was ready to leave the health sector completely. Um, it's, it's a fascinating journey for me because I wanted to do something different um, and now I just, I did say that I wanted to leave the health sector. I didn't know this at the time. So what I did know was I wanted to do something different. Um, and so I did a postgraduate diploma in public health. And I thought, let's do that so I could perhaps apply to get into medicine and have perhaps a bit more of a fulfilling career because I wasn't fulfilled much in pharmacy personally. I did that degree or postgrad and in it because I, okay, well, I had, I have to tell you something. I did that because I had to do something to move forward. In that case, I knew I had to do a postgrad to be able to get good grades for medicine entry. And then while I was actually through that year, I discovered <laughs> that <laughs> actually medicine is not for me at all it was media and that was a great discovery and it took a lot of like it took a lot of getting to know who I am and doing a lot of like personality tests skill set tests strength tests talking to people and I suppose meditating and through that year it was amazing because I'm so grateful that I did it because imagine having to go through, um, like for me, I, yeah, it was a, a preparation one. Anyway, I got into um, media eventually because um, 
I thought, well, it doesn't make sense to to be in a career that I'm not connected to. So you must be asking, so how did you make that um, decision to move from this to that? Well, I mean, it's it's a long story. I'll tell you the short one. Um, I did watch a an Oprah Winfrey talk on YouTube um, on career, life, and leadership. And um, everything she talked about was a light bulb moment for me where she kept saying things that I really wanted to do. And I was like, goodness, I can't believe this thing I, I this is what I'm supposed to do like media was like talking to people and doing this like podcasting and having telling stories and telling <laughs> what we've been up to and inspiring hopefully someone one one listener <laughs> or two <laughs> now I'm sure there'll be more um, but it all came up from a, a place of discomfort followed by research followed by like trusting in the process followed by just doing something different and that's the public health um, diploma and then just getting aha moments along the way and it's just really like a one step at a time for me in those like 10 years after getting out of pharmacy school Um, and then obviously pursuing the school of um, journalism in Canterbury so I actually decided to leave Auckland completely and not go as far as London <laughs> as um, Amy did, who is super brave to do to do that. Actually, I've just been to London in December and it's a crazy place, so busy. And goodness, I was just thinking, I don't know if I'll be suited to live there and, and work. I'll, I'll go crazy. I think we've just gotten really used to uh, chilled life here in New Zealand. I'm not sure. Um, do you think it's quite nice to be chilled, or do you yeah. like the the crazy life? And I think um, it really, as we said, it really depends on your personality, right? And there are people that I know that have loved London, that have fallen in love with London, who are still living there. Um, really? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, there is a reason why there is a whole Facebook group called Kiwis in London. <laughs> really? Is there one? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. For anyone who is considering a move to London, Kiwis in London is definitely your friend is where you can share and ask advice from Kiwis. Kiwis help each other settle down Mm. in London. And yeah, I mean, there is, it's, um, it's, it's like New York, you know, how you see Netflix or movies and there's a allure of New York. It's like people talk about London and New York or Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, Japan, Tokyo. It's if you like a busy city, a big city, I mean, then I guess if your personality fits it, then you'll love those places, right? It's very busy. Did you like it or do you prefer the quiet New Zealand life? (laughs) I, there are definitely aspects I miss in London and I loved Um, the fact that you, you could have food 24 hours. (laughs) Then, you know, there was a nightlife, right? It was never quiet. And I don't think you ever feel lonely as such because there is so much going on. There's always something to see, mm. always something on or something to do. Um, so I think it's a really great place to go, you know, in your 20s um, to really experience uh, different events and mm. obviously to to travel. Um and I do know, I saw an interesting fact the other day. I think they said 
that people who are living in big cities like New York or London, um, that they have a higher percentage of single females um, and also their, their marrying age is also later. And I think it's because when you are in these cities, you don't really feel lonely because you, 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 there's so much going on to do yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, this it, this is a whole other conversation, isn't it, Amy? Yeah, definitely around uh, relationships, friendships, and yeah, lots to discuss there. You know, talking about friendships, um, I don't know about you, but, you know, <laughs> 10 years on from pharmacy school, my friends have changed a lot um, in those 10 years. How about you? It's fascinating, isn't it, how you think back. Um, if you think back around the people we knew, you know, our besties that we hung out with at uni all the time. And yeah. it's, and it's a fun fact, eh? I don't know if you've heard, have you heard me around about something called the seven-year friendship cycle? I'm not sure if any of our listeners might have. Oh, tell us what it is. Um, it's this, I'm sure some people have heard around like the seven year itch. <laughs> yes. It's a little bit like they say every seven years you kind of renew your friendship circle. Um, and they were thinking it's a myth, but they actually did the study where they followed up, I think 10,000 or more people. And they, and they did a survey after, you know, seven years and they found that around seven years, um, people generally renewed about half of their friends. So they lost about 50% of the friends that they were wow. hanging out with seven years ago. But the interesting thing is when they followed up these people is that after seven years, if your friendship makes it to the seven-year mark and you continue to be friends beyond seven years, you're likely to be friends for life. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. That's, isn't it, right? Do you still have friends from uni days? That you I catch do. Up with? I do. The ones that survived the seven-year mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's cool. It's such a cool, fascinating um, fact about the whole friendship thing. And I tell you, like, uh, my friends have all changed um, many times. And the friends, friends come and go that they say. Um, the friends that you have right now, if you're listening, um, they could change in the next season and that's okay. I want to encourage you to not hold on to people per se, um, stay loyal. But like my advice, if you're in this season of life where you're it's 10 years on and you're still trying to, you know, um, work on your friendships, do that, but embrace the new people that come into your life or embrace the you stepping out into the unknown and finding meeting groups and things like that because it gets difficult doesn't it amy to to keep friendships to have that social life outside of university outside of i mean it's you go to your job yeah. right it's the same people um and we're talking to the single ladies over here i mean this is ex you know an experience on my end that i found that i don't necessarily see new people <laughs> coming in and out of work seeing the same people how do you find them right um yeah it is it's exactly remember um we reflected back on one of our episodes actually around university and saying actually those are the golden years right in terms of um, connecting yes. with people 
because where else are you going to be able to meet different people and be able to access different clubs so easily um, compared to when you were in your early 20s and it's really interesting. I, I think they said as well, like the reason why friends change is because it's very context driven. So like you said, you hang out with people at work a lot because of the context, your work context. But if you change jobs, again, your context changes. And and then again, if you become a new mom, which I recently went through, again, mm -hmm. your context changes and you find that you're talking to other moms a lot more. Whereas before, I guess you couldn't really relate. So it was a different experience. And mm. so I think the context does affect um, who you talk to and your friend group as well. Exactly. And we have so many conversations that we can cover um, later. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about all the sounds of my computer that's making, um, <laughs> if you can hear it. But um, we have, you know, friendships that you know last forever but uh, you know moving along from friendships um life after university after the first five years 10 years um it's a big question and I think I'm going to leave it until the next episode because I'm not sure about you Amy but I certainly have been questioning my career questioning again where I'm doing and I want to tell you about how I'm doing in media, in fact. So I will leave this conversation until next episode because there's always <laughs> there's always this new aha moment that I want to share with you, which happened to me recently about what am I doing and is this what I actually want to achieve? Do I want to go to do this every day? Actually, anyway, I, I won't spoil it for you, but... This is what I'm going to be sharing with you guys next episode. Um, Amy, I'm sure you've been going through changes, like you were saying, with babe, new babies, new friendships with mamas, and that must have changed your outlook on life, hasn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think juggling, as we talked about, work-life integration, and I think people's priorities and values change a lot mm. um maybe not not values per se but definitely how we we express them and how we prioritize things in life certainly change depending on what's happening around you and every year you said as we go through different phases of life which is what you're saying Mina we do tend to reflect on our career mm. our day-to-day -day, what we get out of bed for every day why we hear such deep and meaningful questions right exactly <laughs> but it's so important as well for um our health and mental health and our well-being mm. to think about those things and make sure that what we're doing is something that is for us um, and that we're happy in what we're doing every day And um, we we might also, we might who knows we might be able to if you if you tell us that you're enjoying this and you make a comment or two and leave a review we might do another episode about whether or not there is midlife crisis. There we go. I'm going to leave you with that. And um, if you are interested to hear more, uh, message us and let us know. Leave a review and a like somewhere somehow. Until then, thank you, Amy, for your time. Thank you so much, Mina, for having me on your show. And thank you to all the listeners. You're welcome. And so, yeah, until next week, take care.